Welcome or welcome back to The Bicultural Identity, a podcast created from the experiences unique to young Asians raised in a Western society. We're your hosts, Connie and Jenny. Our weekly episodes contain conversations around social issues, pop culture topics, and nostalgic childhood memories that are significant in our lives as second-gen Canadians. We have a very special guest on our episode today. We've always wanted to include some more representation for Southeast Asians and Vietnamese people. So today we have our friend Dennis on. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Dennis and I'm Vietnamese. I was raised in Toronto, then I came to school in Ottawa and now I work as a project officer. Cool. So thank you for having me. Wow, full background. So for today's episode, I think we're structuring it as um, topic one. We're going to touch on Dennis's awareness of his cultural identity. Then we're moving on to when he started learning more about Vietnamese culture. And then finally, we'll be wrapping up with his current experience with Vietnamese culture. So kind of like chronological. Yeah, this is going to be an awkward like retelling of my life story. So I'm nervous <laughs> about that. But it's going to be so interesting. I think the first like core memory like from inside out that I remember is uh, we all get that dreaded question, right? Where it's like, what's your background or where are you from? Mm-hmm. And uh, well, like obviously my answer is uh, Vietnamese. But uh, I distinctly remember, like, no one really knows what that is, especially when you're, like, a lot younger like that. Like, there's only, like, a few options for Asians. It can either be, like, Chinese, Filipino, or Japanese. Mm-hmm. Later on, mm-hmm. Korean became pretty big, but I think back then it wasn't, it wasn't as big. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, I think it wasn't until middle school until I met my Korean friend that I knew what Korean was. And I don't even remember when I met my first, like, Vietnamese friend or anything. So it's actually, like, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, like... At a really young age, you become <laughs> really aware, or I became really aware of like the limited exposure of like Vietnamese culture or just like the existence of the country to like the main Western world. I think I remember it also like that exclusion feels really weird. You almost feel ashamed of being like Vietnamese, and you you literally mm. want to be like literally any other any other race. But uh, I think that's right. that's like my first core memory. Yeah. So like because of the shame, did you almost like kind of want to hide it? by like acting more white or I don't know, in a certain way? Uh, I don't remember if it affected the way I acted. I think in general, my family is a bit more whitewashed in general because uh, my mom had already <laughs> been in Canada for about 10 years since uh, before she oh, had okay. me. And also before that, we lived with my aunt and uncle and cousin who had also immigrated here, I think a few years before her. And in general, we. I would say we're pretty whitewashed. Like, well, like, well emerged in this society. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, my mom really likes uh, Western TV shows. Uh, <laughs> at home, we would eat a lot of Western foods. My thing early on when I was a kid was I really liked Italian food. So we would mm-hmm. eat a lot of, like, pasta and stuff like that instead of, like, Vietnamese food, which we, we still had, but, like, not, like, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It's actually a good difference to highlight from, like, I guess how we're starting this episode because in contrast to that like a lot of um, people I went to school with who are Vietnamese have like a very strong like cultural background Mm -hmm. if I can put it that way oh yeah Yeah. it's like how you can say like Koreans like to band together I noticed like Vietnamese people have a very strong sense of community usually too yeah yeah I I would agree I accept I think I didn't really have any Vietnamese friends until I was a lot older yeah so for like still the majority of my life I only just like knew my immediate family so that's just kind of how how I grew up Mm -hmm. I also remember whenever I went to like the grocery store my mom would take me and like in Toronto there's like a lot of like Asian grocery stores I'd always get Mm -hmm. super excited when I would (laughs) hear someone speak Vietnamese and I was like, tell my mom, like, did you hear like they're speaking Vietnamese? Because like literally I had no exposure to anyone else outside of like my mom, my aunt and uncle and like my cousin. So how fluent are you? I'm, I'm perfectly fluent, I would say. Like okay. sometimes I'll talk to like uh, in the restaurants, I'll, I'll speak Vietnamese and they usually ask like, when did I immigrate here? And also when I went back to Vietnam, I usually get a lot of compliments on my Vietnamese. It's just like my vocabulary my vocabulary is bad (laughs) but my pronunciation and stuff is pretty much flawless okay no ego though (laughs) (laughs) in terms of like awareness or learning about cultural identity i think the first thing i kind of learned about vietnam was like when we did like the vietnam war the vietnam war (laughs) at school school in a history class (laughs) so it's kind of awkward and also my other like core memory from this was just like we learned that uh like of the difficult trips that refugees had to make going across uh, like immigrating to to Canada and America biggest thing I remember was like they talked about how women would get 
raped on these ships. That's right. like that's something that really stands out to me because like mm-hmm. I was raised by a single mom and then like that's that's just something I always wondered, right? You know, like she doesn't really go into like the depths of how difficult it was to to get, to get here. here as like a refugee. Mm-hmm. She did come here a bit later, well past uh, the end of the Vietnam War. So like I don't think okay. that, like she's but she still had to like escape the country to to Thailand and come here. Yeah, that's rough. I don't think I learned about the Vietnam War in history class, surprisingly. Did we, Jenny? Um, no, I don't think so. But I do know, like, in the beginning, too, my perception of Vietnam from, like, just school, not necessarily, like, formal lessons, was, like, boat people. You know, mm-hmm. like, fresh off the boat. Like, I have an early memory of our dad talking about, like, Vietnamese people and how they're built different because they had to go through so much to get here. He was like... <laughs> Actually, you're right. Yeah, That's what I learned about, about too. Um, there was, like, a student in my school, mm-hmm. or, like, in my grade, who was Vietnamese, and or I think they were half Vietnamese, and then a couple of our, like, classmates went over to their house, and they were like, bro, like, your dad's so scary. Like, he's like a muscle machine. And then they were like, yeah, like, he rode his way over here. <laughs> oh, that was a joke? It was so stu- yeah. Oh. It was so weird. I was like, wait, what? All these random things you'd pick up, I guess, that aren't exactly accurate, but are kind of accurate. Yeah. Yep. I would say, I would say that's accurate. That's something I'd like to come back later on. I have a few points on that too. Sure. But sure. going back to that thing, I remember it distinctly because I remember this one guy in our elementary school. I won't name names, but it's the one person you know <laughs> from my elementary school. So you can probably figure it out. But, oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but like when when this no gossiping on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, sorry. When this type of subject like came up, like you know, like as kids, like you look at the person that like it pertains to the most. So it felt really like you know, like you become stereotyped as like this this un- unfortunate poor. It's like really pity, Ooh. like a lot of pity. It's like this unfortunate poor no. soul whose family yeah. had to go through so much, and then you know, it's just like realistically. My family is a lot better off than I would say the average Vietnamese family who immigrated mm-hmm. here. But that's just like, I remember, that's how it, like you just kind of feel. It's not like discrimination. You feel like a second tier person that way, but it's just like, when you, when you feel pity like that, it just feels like uh, mm-hmm. people just like looking down on you. Not looking down yeah, on you like sure. a, in like in an inferior way, but it's just like, yeah. Yeah, not to make light of this situation, but it reminds me of, because I know Dennis, you're on TikTok too. Um, <laughs> so it reminds me of like the recent trend of like African um, people on TikTok who keep making like those videos of, oh, me on my way to school. And they're like going no! through this green screen filter on TikTok through like, deserts and like they're sipping through like one palm like one handful of water and it's so funny (laughs) um they're just like making light i guess of similar things where everyone here is just taught to perceive Mm -hmm. their culture um in like a very tragic and impoverished way yeah that's a good comparison why do we always bring up tiktoks and these podcast episodes ingrained in me (laughs) that's too funny so i think That was basically all the points that Dennis wanted to bring up for the first topic. We can transition to when you started actually getting exposed to Vietnamese culture and what you ended up learning at that stage of your life. Sure. So when I got to high school, I think I made my first like a Vietnamese friend. I remember like in middle school, we would go to like gifted conventions and I met him first there. Uh, That's where you meet the Asians. (laughs) Yeah, it was like it was like an instant bond. It was like, hey, you have the same last name as I do. It's like, let's be friends. And then it turns out we went to the same high school and then it turns out we lived down the block from each other. And also turns out that we literally have every extracurricular together. So (laughs) we do like everything outside of school. (laughs) Yeah. So we became like instant best friends. Like we, we would do like almost everything together. And for him and his family, he's more in touch with his culture. Like his family does a lot more Vietnamese cultural things. And, uh, he would invite me out when he goes to like Montreal to visit his extended family and we do a lot of stuff there. So it, it was a lot nicer to like have that kind of familial experience outside of mm-hmm. like my really small immediate family in Toronto. You also wrote down here that you started celebrating like Vietnamese holidays. Yeah, we started like hanging out with my extended family. So the rest of like my immediate family, so anyone under my grandparents, they're mm-hmm. back in Vietnam. But like my mom has cousins there in Toronto, so we would start hanging out with them as well. And one thing we do, which is similar to I think Chinese culture, is celebrate Lunar New Year, which yeah. we call a uh, Tut. 
the memory I remember the most from celebrating this is uh, we have this gambling game. It's called Bao Guo Dum Ga, which is like it's called it's translated to uh, gourd crab shrimp fish. Oh, and it's because how it works is like there's a sheet and it's pictures of a gourd, a crab, a shrimp, a fish, a rooster, and a deer. And then there's like a die that has each of those animals and gourd on a corresponding face.、Mm-hmm. And then you place your bets, and then you roll the die, and then whatever it lands on, they split or get all of the money.、Hmm. And I remember、uh, we do the same thing where you get like red pocket money.、Mm-hmm. But like what one aunt did that、uh, one year was she just brought all of her like loose change and gave it to us as like red pocket. But it was like easy to gamble with. Cause like you don't have like a twenty that you have to like break or whatever. Yeah. You, you can't just bet like twenty dollars and then if you lose it, you're out. So you can bet, you can make like a lot more smaller bets and you can play like a lot longer. So I think that's also like kind of how my gambling addiction kind of started too. Oh my god. That's, that's a fun.、No. That's a fun. <laughs> gambling is actually at the core of like yeah. Asian yeah. cultures. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so did you like lose all your pocket money if you did poorly in the gambling game? Yeah, but、oh, I'm、no. not gonna do poorly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. You didn't lose it all. That's、yeah. good. Imagine, like, I'm just thinking about sad children who like was so happy with their pocket money, and then it was all like drained away. <laughs> It's okay. It was only like one aunt's red pocket money. You still had、oh, uh, red pocket money from all the true, other true. aunts. <laughs> so at most, maybe you lose like twenty bucks or something. <laughs> true. I actually have a question.、Um, kind of like. Outside of what you've already listed, what did you perceive to be your、um, mother's like? I can't like I don't know how to phrase this. Like, did she want you to be closer to Vietnamese culture than you were, or was it just like kind of whatever happens happens? Thing about that is like it's kind of hard to gauge what my mom kind of wants because she's not、okay. going to tell me any of that. <laughs> it was it's like I definitely leaning more towards whatever happens kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Uh, we, we were just kind of like. Go with the flow, kind of people. I know I talked about、okay. that we eat a lot of like Western food, but you know it's like I feel like it's one of those things with Asian parents where you're like, oh, this was good, and then they'll just keep giving it to you, <laughs> and, and even if your tastes change. I talked more about food later, but that's like that's like the one of the main things about like cultural food.、Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because I know like some families like the their parents like desperately want them to be more in touch with the culture or like vice versa. So I was just wondering from your own perspective. I think for sure the way my mom raised me is definitely like I think she still wanted to raise me with more on a on a Vietnamese culturally side. I saw this okay, kind、mm-hmm. of disconnect later on when I、mm-hmm. grew up and became more aware. But it was always like you know prioritizing like working hard just to to ensure like you have like a good life. Kind of goes back to、mm-hmm. what you guys kind of said before. So it's like Vietnamese people are always like really obsessed with like. Having to work hard just probably because of that <laughs> fear of like, or just like just remembering like difficult times. You don't really want、mm-hmm. to go through that again. Yeah, yeah. You just mentioned that you want to touch on food. I think now is a great time to move on to food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think around this time, pho and bun mi became more trendy.、Mm-hmm. A lot of people are more willing to try pho.、Uh, I remember my mom talking to me about like her coworkers at work and how like.、Uh, She has like a little group that she goes to get lunch with, and then they would, they started. She told me like, oh, today like、uh, my coworkers said that they really like pho because it's like it's a nice, healthier option.、Mm-hmm. So it was cool to kind of see as a comp- as a contrast to like before. No one knows what Vietnam is, but now people are trying our foods. I always thought that was that was really cool. Yeah, I think Vietnamese food is such a good like type of comfort food. Whenever I have it, it's so like light and makes me feel warm. <laughs> yeah, that's my impression of it. Yeah, I think I started like eating pho like maybe in high school, maybe a little earlier than that. So maybe that's when it started becoming trendy.、Mm-hmm. There was like that stage in school where everyone's like, "Oh, I love pho,"、yeah. I love pho. Oh, no. <laughs> and then you slowly transition to like knowing it's pho. Yeah, I was one of those types where I just kind of let it go. I would actually、yeah. also just call it pho, just so like people know what it is. But now yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. enough people know. I can just use.、Mm-hmm. I can just say it how I normally say it. Yeah. <laughs> Adding on to people being more aware, I remember grade one in the French class. We had to do a project on like、um, French colonies or French colonized countries. Think about it now. It's kind of weird. So weird. <laughs> But like at the time, I was like really happy because I was like, wow, I can just talk about Vietnam. <laughs> And it's、uh, it'll be very easy. So just a brief history is that、uh, French colonized Vietnam in the 1880s. So prior to that,、uh, we actually used characters similar to Chinese, 
but after now we use like Roman letters, like the alphabet we use in English. Yeah. So it's the one. Yeah, it's like one of the only Asian countries where where they do so, and we just have like a lot of accents.、Mm-hmm. Kind of learned a lot about the effects about the French colonization, and it's like stuff I didn't really no- notice before. But it's like there's a lot of heavy influences on the language. There's like a lot of like similar words. So like、mm-hmm. for French,、uh, mom is like mère, right? Mère. Yeah. Sorry, I had to switch to my French voice. <laughs> <laughs> But in Vietnamese, I say mère, which is like re- you see, like it's clearly、uh, very similar. Yeah, that's so similar.、Uh, the other one is butter, which is beurre in French. Yeah. yeah. But it's beurre in、uh, Vietnamese. So like. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting, and、mm. also it really influenced、uh, the cuisine. So if you notice, banh mi is on like a French baguette. So that's kind of、mm-hmm. where that came from as well. Wow, we stand colonization.、Yeah. Oh God! <laughs>、uh, no, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't stand colonization. Yeah, we definitely don't.、Um, but it's true. Like from what I understand, I haven't been to Vietnam before, but I know like that there's a lot of French architecture or like influences、mm-hmm. you'll see throughout like the cities there, right? Too. Yeah, similar to Canada, I think they had a lot of like Jesuits who came to the country to convert people to Catholicism. And now the country、mm. is、uh, fairly divided between Buddhism and Catholicism.、Mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of church. So I grew up, I grew up Catholic, but I think the majority of my family is like Buddhist. It's、yeah. funny because like when I went back, my little cousin, she's like ten. It's very casual. She's just like, "Hey, like which which god do you worship? Are you like Buddhist or Catholic? <laughs> <Which God? laughs> yeah, like which which side are you like which side are you on? Basically, <laughs> not like not like it's like it's just、Aww. like you know it's just curious. So it's like another interesting、uh, experience. Hmm. Hmm. Were you exposed to like Vietnamese media at all when you were growing up? Not like in terms of movies, but the thing that I know—I f- don't want to generalize—but I'm sure that all Vietnamese go through this: is that all parents like to watch this thing called like Paris by Night. It's、oh. like a music show similar to Inkigayo or like M Countdown for like the,、mm-hmm. the K-pop music shows now, where there's just like a lineup of artists and they sing songs, and it's like a whole event, and there's like MCs, and they do like in between parts. And like on the weekends, like this is all that would be playing. My mom would just get like the latest one, and she just play it. I remember my favorite parts was like in between some of the acts, they have these like little comedic skits.、Mm-hmm. It's just like they would be like based on like at home, like、uh, married life. It's like it's like similar to like a sitcom basically. Yeah. But they'd actually be like really funny. It's all in Vietnamese, and then like some of it is hard for me to understand because like. In Vietnamese, there's like different dialects, yeah.、Uh, depending on which like region you're from,、mm-hmm. so it's hard for me to understand anything that's not spoken within like my own family. So like sometimes it's hard to understand, but like I always thought, I still always thought it was like really funny, even if I didn't.、Mm, and it probably helped you learn the language even better, right?、Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like when you brought up Inkigayo, it kind of reminded me. This is a little off topic of like K-pop and how there's really no Southeast Asian representation there. And recently, in like the big hit survival show, what was it called? Island. Yeah. Yeah. There was finally like a Vietnamese contestant on that show, and he was like pretty popular. Oh my god! I voted for him like every yeah, day. Yeah, Hanbin. I was like, you gotta make it. But they kind of did him dirty. I could still feel、yeah. that like Korea wasn't as accepting. But it was kind of cool、yeah. to see that they were starting to like include like Southeast Asians in K-pop. Yeah, random yeah. K-pop tangent. <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think it's really relevant. Like,、uh, we'll talk more on it later. But like the Hollywood wave is is very.、Uh, Influential on、uh, the Vietnamese people of like today, like a lot of young Vietnamese people I know are really into that kind of、mm, stuff. Yeah, this is just from like my personal experience, but like it seems like there's a lot of like South Korean tourism that go to Vietnam.、Oh. I know there's like a lot of、uh, Korean friends that have gone to Vietnam, and、mm-hmm. even like when I went, the signs would always be in English, Vietnamese, and then Korean. So、mm. that's a there's a neat connection there. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, so that's like all really, really interesting to see how like Dennis, you kind of started first experiencing or like learning more about Vietnamese culture、um, later on through high school and like your exposure to various like I guess various people that you meet as long as well as your like own family. But since then, what has been? We'll go on to topic three here. Like, what has been your current experience or like how you see your whole journey looking back on it? I guess. Sure. So、uh, after I graduated university, so just.、Uh... Last, no, not last year. Whoa, you're years ago. Whoa, <laughs> we're way older yeah, than that. Yeah, I went、that. back. <laughs> I got the chance to go back to Vietnam for the first time, to you know, kind of meet 
the family I kind of never met. So uh, learned a lot about like the Vietnamese experience. It was nice seeing my mom when we go around like her childhood neighborhood. She'd be like, oh, she talked to like uh, my aunt, her Mm-hmm. Her younger sister be like, oh, remember when you went here? Remember when our brother lived here? Like all those moments are really cute. But then I, I think I learned more about like kind of like my family history. So like how my family kind of immigrated here is like the uncle that I lived with in Toronto. He came here first. So mm-hmm. He's the eldest, and then the second oldest, which is uh, my aunt. She stayed in Vietnam, and then my okay. mom was the third oldest. She came, and then next is the aunt that's still there. She stayed, and then the youngest son. He tried to come over, but unfortunately, he did not make the trip, just because oh. uh, these these voyages have like a pretty significant fatality rate. Mm-hmm. And that's I think after that, uh, the rest of my family just stayed in Vietnam after that. Okay, was it because of the incident or just like other reasons? Like Asian families don't really talk about okay, that. Okay, yeah. that's kind of my <laughs> that's kind of my impression of okay. it. Okay, yeah. But also, it's just like uh, after the war. In the 1980s, Vietnam really hit an economic low. But since then, they've been really being able to have like a lot of growth. Like a lot of people are optimistic about uh, the current and future situations. Mm-hmm. So it's not. They w- it was also probably not as pressing to want to to immigrate. There's probably like a lot of a lot of reasons. I actually had a whole class in university about like the Vietnam economy because I was taking like Asia Pacific business studies or something. And it's interesting to see how like Vietnam's growth trajectory is the exact same just like i guess on a different scale overall like it's the exact same as the one that china went through and i think the explanation behind that was that like you mentioned before dennis that vietnam is like really heavy on like working hard as a culture and like as people so basically as labor rates got um, more and more expensive in china like the western industries i guess chose vietnam as the next location to kind of develop mm-hmm. and because of that they were able to i guess start growing as well yeah, I think you you captured it perfectly. I know a lot of like tech companies such as like Samsung are starting to open factories there. Just mm-hmm. I guess kind of like outsourcing the work, but also like it it helps the internal economy of, of Vietnam a lot. So yeah. yeah, it's like a good place to get started with growth and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. just talking about the socio economic impacts. Uh, just like being in the country, you can really see a lot of it. It mostly started from like on the tail end of the war. Americans would bomb like really significant farmlands. Mm-hmm. which unfortunately impacts the ability to like do agriculture. And since rice is one of the main exports, that really heavily yeah. impacts that. I think the biggest impact that I was able to see firsthand was uh, the effects of the use of Agent Orange during the war. So it's a biochemical weapon that they used, but they didn't understand the full effects, which it seeps into the ground and has a very, very long lasting effects because it still stays there oh, no. and it infects mm-hmm. the food that is grown. My mom took me to an orphanage where a lot of these kids born with physical defects are just are. Mm-hmm. I think what I remember the most was there's this one girl, she was blind. She was maybe like 12 or 13 and she played the piano for us. And it's like, you know, you kind of feel a similarity. You know, I learned the piano also with growing up. But for her, it's like, it was really different. They, it was yeah. almost like, you know, like she was playing it as like a, like a party trick almost. Because like the head of the orphanage, she was like, oh, like this girl has like a cool skill. Like, come on, please show. And she mm-hmm. would play. And it's like, it's really different. Because like for me growing up playing piano, like, yeah, I forced into it. But eventually I started to like it. And I would yeah. just like, you know, play because like I genuinely enjoy playing piano. Mm-hmm. It's like a privilege thing here. Yeah. And then it's like the opposite. It's a bit of a sombering experience. Mm. The other thing is I remember is like, I don't know about Chinese, but in Vietnamese, we have like specific pronouns. Like if there's like brother for a guy that's older than you, but close in age, there's like big sister. And then there's like the equivalent of like sir, ma'am. So like people around your parents' yeah. age. And then like... We do have that. Yeah. Grandpa, grandpa age sort <laughs> of thing. Yeah, yeah. So they would always call me like by the sir age. So like as an adult. <laughs> Like, it, was, it felt really weird because, like, if you know me, like, I look really young. Yeah, like, you have not, a baby like, face. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. But I think it's just, like, these kids, the way they grow up, they're just, like, extremely, like, polite. Uh, I'm not sure if they, if it's, like, a situation where they can get adopted. It's just, my mom just brought me there to show me. And, like, mm-hmm. I think it's an orphanage she uh, she supports a lot, like, as a charity. She would send the money. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that sounds like a very, like, somber experience, but also, like, very important to kind of see for yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. I want to 
touch again on like my experiences with current Vietnamese people. So like I was able to, I've been able to meet like a lot of Vietnamese exchange students. My general impression is like, like I touched on before, they're really influenced by like Hollywood wave. Almost all of them are like into like K-pop, mm-hmm. K-dramas and stuff. I don't want to generalize, but these are the ones I met. But they're similar to like Chinese exchange students yeah. or like <laughs> typical where they're really focused on like name brands. You know, you mm-hmm. want to show that you have wealth and stuff. But also like just like uh, tying again to the point where they're, they're really work obsessive. Like when I talk to them, they're always talking about like their next test or having to study or mm-hmm. they, they really like uh, want to make the most of the chance they have here. That's really good. That's like kind of the opposite of Chinese exchange students yep. almost. Like I don't want to generalize either. I've met like a couple of exchange students that work really hard, but I think it's gone to a point for like Chinese people at least where kids who like couldn't get into schools or good universities in China come here and they're generally like really rich, so then they just feel the need to like I don't know, slack off and they don't really work hard at all. So I guess yeah, that's like where the they ones differ. that you see with the sports cars and the mm-hmm. name brands are just here to like have fun. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have like those like PhD like Chinese exchange students that you probably never see that are still in the library somewhere. Yeah, it's always like the STEM exchange students that still yeah. kind of work. <laughs> yep, but that's an interesting person. So like basically, Dennis, what you're saying is it's kind of like a combination for the Vietnamese exchange students. Like they're still like I guess um, influenced like by name brands and like shows of luxury but they're mixed in with like what we're saying as like the the students that really study hard and like really value the education they get here yeah exactly and it's not only just to like education they always have like uh, part-time jobs Mm. because it's not the same uh, socioeconomic uh, Mm -hmm. situation for for a lot of them they still have to pay like the extra fees as like a as an exchange student so it's it's almost out of necessity that you end up having to to work that hard i mean like when school costs that much yeah you better yeah. not, you better not uh, slack off and mm-hmm. when school costs that much you have to work hard to to be able to pay for it for yeah. sure i can segue right into food so when i was young yeah i liked a lot of like italian food and that's something that my mom just ended up making me a lot but i think after we went to vietnam she realized i'm not really a picky eater anymore and i, I would just like almost eat anything Whenever mm-hmm. my mom was like, oh, you want to try this? I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't really, like, I'm down to try to try anything. So, like, I think she, that's when she kind of realized that, I don't know how to really say it, but it's like I'm more Vietnamese than she thought. That's kind of my impression of it. I just wanted to talk about, like, some of my favorite foods. Uh, one is ban u. So if you know, like, the dim sum dish, uh, the rice roll with the shrimp in it. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it uses, like, the same rice roll, and then it's topped mm-hmm. with, like, a Vietnamese sausage i want to say or like a ham mm-hmm. and then Ooh, bean sprouts and fish sauce and uh fried onions Ooh. so that's my favorite it's like a mini re- making everyone hungry mini recommendation <laughs> before my actual recommendation and then the other the appetizer. food yeah the other food that uh that really that stands out to me when i went to vietnam is like this uh this tree food they call it like a, a Vietnamese pizza, but it's like not really. But you know, like the rice wrap paper that you use to make like mm-hmm. the spring roll. I guess roll they call it paper? yes, spring yeah. rolls, summer rolls. I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to say. Whatever you, season. <laughs> yeah, they put it on like a grill and they put like butter on it and they just put like all mm-hmm. sorts of toppings. So it's just like Whoa. you know, like the mini shrimp, cheese, like beef, all sorts of veggies. That and sounds it's like, so good. It's like a quesadilla almost, and it is. I thought I was like I would never use like a rice paper wrap like this way, but it was really good. Like, wouldn't that, it turn out all crispy and like? Yeah, exactly. It's, super <laughs> it's like a yeah, it's like a quesadilla. I'm salivating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, those type of foods like I don't really try like like at home like I have a bit more variety than what you'd see in like a, a Vietnamese restaurant, but like something like that that was like really cool. I just need to think on that for a bit. <laughs> Me too. So. You know, like, the Vietnamese food available to the public, usually, like, pho, banh mi, there's, like, a lot of rice dishes in those restaurants. Would you, like, equate that to almost, like, the the false Chinese food that, like, Americans think orange chicken and everything is? Like, there's actually a lot more variety? I wouldn't say it's in the same lane. Because, like, I feel like, from what I know about the false Chinese food, it's food that was created by Chinese people that immigrated here, right? To suit American taste. Yeah. But those are, like... Those are actual like Vietnamese okay. food. Like when I went back to Vietnam, I ate all of that stuff too. Mm-hmm. But it's like more 
I would say it's like the basic foods. Okay. There's like a lot more interesting dishes that that you can try that just aren't available in、mm-hmm. uh, Vietnamese restaurants. I guess we can move on to like in university. I think you had some experience with like the Vietnamese Student Association, and everything, right? Yeah. So it's just like. Showing the progression of like an elementary elementary slash middle school, I had zero Vietnamese friends, and then like in high school I had like one really close friend, and then like I had I would say two other friends, but then like university hits, and then like universities are big, and it's like a great way to to meet a lot of people, especially like meet people similar to your cultural experiences. So、mm-hmm. I joined the Vietnamese Student Association a lot, and then they would have events like、uh, the Fa. King challenge. I remember that. Yeah, I remember、wow. we'd always go. <laughs> yeah. So it's always not always like cultural events. I think those events just were just like a great way to meet people that were culturally similar to、yeah. you. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like it's good to meet people that are、like、culturally similar, but it's just like it's hard to make friends as well. Because like even though I feel like Vietnamese compared to other Southeast Asian communities, it's it's obviously a lot bigger, especially in Ottawa. It's pretty good, and in Toronto, it's、mm-hmm. it's pretty good as well. But like, still, I feel like there's not enough. Whereas it's like, you know, you meet someone that you can actually be friends with. Like, you can be s- relatable on like on like cultural experiences. But for me, it's just I think it's more important to be able to like、uh, actually have interests. So I, I didn't really make any、yeah. Vietnamese friends from that. But、okay. also, there's like there's a wide variety of cultural experiences. There's those that are like、uh, really like in tune with the culture. They have like a larger family here to celebrate and learn it with、mm-hmm. over in the Western world. Then there's like me where I'm like kind of like in between. I'm whitewashed, but I still had like a good amount of Vietnamese culture. And then there's those who are like super whitewashed, like they can't、mm-hmm. speak the language. They not to shame anyone, but it's just like to show like there's that kind of disconnect. Yeah, for sure. And like going back to the Vietnamese Student Association, I almost found it funny because I went to those events too, and I'm Chinese. And like our group of like Chinese friends, like we would all go because the actual like Chinese Student Association, I think, was mostly. Filled with like international students, <laughs> so I think all the like more not whitewashed but like kind of in between people like us would just go to the VSA events. It's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a good point to touch on too. Like when I came to university, our friend group now is probably like the first Asian friend group I've had because like in、mm-hmm. in like high school and and before like there weren't there weren't enough Asians to have a Asian friend group. So it's cool that be able to like. Hang out with people that like look like you and can relate to you, because like、mm-hmm. Vietnamese culture and Chinese culture is still pretty similar. But at the same time, there's still like that that it's like that little bit of like you feel kind of like not like out of place、mm-hmm. or kind of left out, especially when relating to stuff about like Chinese language. And there's like distinct differences、mm-hmm. as well with the Chinese culture. Still, still makes you feel like kind of it left out. For sure.、Um... Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's not like anyone's fault. It's also like,、oh、personally, it's like not like that big of a deal to me. I don't really care about that stuff a lot. It's like sometimes when, because、uh, like I have a lot of friends who are not like also not Chinese but are Asian, and then when you don't like clarify with your parents, and then you bring them home, and your parents just start like trying to speak、oh、Mandarin to them, and it's so <laughs> funny. I remember our mom would always try to speak Chinese to Dennis. <laughs> Do you remember that happening? <laughs> I don't remember specifically happening. Wait,、uh, I don't know. I remember that. I but like... I remember I came over to your guys' house for was it Thanksgiving? It was like a significant holiday. Obviously, I'm here in Ottawa by myself, so you guys invited me over, and then your one of your childhood friends was there, and. You guys were setting the table,、oh, and her okay, her、situation. mom asked me if I use chopsticks. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> and then I remember your childhood, your friend got like, really mad at at her mom. She's like, "You can't say something like that." <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, I do use chopsticks." That's so funny. Sorry、Hi. if you're listening and、uh, I exposed too much. We apologize to all the parents that listen to this. We think you guys are cute. Yeah, it was. It, I wasn't offended at all. It was a. It was a cute moment. <laughs> it just happens. I think when you're in a dominantly like something culture, like in university, like sometimes I'd just be hanging out with like just my Korean friends, and then all these other Koreans would come by on campus and speak Korean to me, and I'd be like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Hopefully our our friend group doesn't speak like Chinese <laughs>、yeah. each other or anything in front of you. I feel like that's super like inconsiderate, but I don't think we do it because we're all pretty whitewashed. I think it happens、yeah. sometimes, but like, not <laughs> as a big problem. Oh no! Okay, now I know. 
now we all know. I hope everyone's listening right now in our friend group. <laughs> English only. English only. <laughs> that's a that's a cool point. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't write this down, but like uh, my cousin, she's married to like a white person, so mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like that's something that he has to deal with as well. Where it's like when when we have like a family oh, yeah. gathering, <laughs> me and my mom, my <laughs> uncle, aunt, and cousin. Well, not my. I want to exclude my aunt in this, but we have like a holiday tradition where we just like have heated debates on like random topics. And then then, like, (laughs) it's like, it's not even like any bad feelings, but we just like arguing with each other. But like, it's important to make a point to not exclude her husband as well. And we we should be conscious. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know why I made that point. It's because my mom went through a similar experience during her high school and university years where she expressed like a lot of her university, high school, kind of like childhood friends, they're Cantonese, Vietnamese. Mm. So people that are Chinese mm. but lived in Vietnam, but they're like culturally Cantonese. And whenever we would hang out with them, they would speak Chinese among each other. And my mom would feel pretty sad that like, mm. you know, it's like it's Aww. like a bit of like exclusion. So that's something yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. I never, I didn't think of. Thank you for the reminder. I should have talked about oh, that. Oh no yeah. problem, unintentional. It's a inter, you're welcome. Inter, intergenerational problem. experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's worth saying though. Like I think that's where the perception too of you know bucketizing or generalizing Asians is like becomes an issue, because I guess to the general world outside of like the Asian society, people think we're all the same, but then. Like, then they start, like, grouping you together in society's, like, hangouts, too. Like, naturally. Not, like, naturally. Like, we kind of gravitate towards each other because we have similar, like, second-gen or, like, immigrant experiences. But, like, Mm -hmm. people can't understand why there's still, like, small tensions between our groups, right? Like, um, it's very difficult to keep being, like, grouped in with, like, the same people. Like, or the same looking people when we're, like, completely, like, different languages, different. Yeah. And, like, different end experiences, you know, all that stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect transition into my, my next wow. topic where it's like, uh, this is not something I'm aware of, nor is it something that affects me very much. So this is less talking from my experience and just talking from what I've just kind of learned or heard. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like as you said, like Asian Americans, we're all grouped together under one umbrella. But you have to remember that it's predominantly Chinese Americans that make up this population. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think it was a hot topic recently where it's like... Uh, Asian Americans are counted as white. I, don't, I think right. it was like for mm-hmm. as part of like a university's diversity acceptance or whatever. And that's because yeah. Asian Americans on average are earning higher household incomes on par with uh, white people. So they're seen as like the same socioeconomic class. But mm-hmm. the difference is that Asian Americans is a really wide umbrella and misses out on a lot of like other groups. Like I said, there's not only Vietnamese, but like Cambodian people from Laos who are also war refugees and mm-hmm. are earning like on average like significantly lower, lower right. household incomes but now they get affected negatively because uh, Asian Americans as a whole are, are being grouped together and unfortunately for them are pretty successful in, in the current Western society. Mm-hmm. That's called the model minority myth right I think from my my knowledge like when you think that Asian Americans are the model minority and then you just start disregarding the populations that are actually like underprivileged in that group and like it's very toxic in the end mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think so i mean mm-hmm. i'm not like a very socially knowledgeable person like i'm not you're not good like with like politics or like <laughs> social issues so like i feel like i'm gonna explain a lot of things poorly but yeah i think that's no, no, yeah, yeah that's good <laughs> no i think you put it in a good way because like people can't seem to realize that there's still like a separation between um like you're saying social like disparities and like um inequality Mm -hmm. between like race and income or like race and like your family backing i guess because like immigrants have come here in complete different situations right there are you know chinese people immigrating here these days who are like filthy rich and it does not put them at the same level as like, you know, an immigrant, like you're saying, from a war country or even an immigrant from like the rural regions of China. Yeah. Like it's not the same thing. But then, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Like it's clearly like a broken system that they still just purely play like the race card to, I guess, do all this. What is it called again? Uh, Oh my God. What is it called when you filter by? Oh, affirmative action. Yeah. Affirmative action. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's still like obviously systematic pieces in 
like in history, like especially with, you know, um, the big conversation around like black Americans or like obviously Asian Americans that came like way back suffered a lot from the different roles in society, like, you know, literally building railroads or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like I agree. They seem to think things are better for all of us, which it is not. Yeah, definitely Um, not. And I mean, for me, like I'm talking about it now, but like realistically, like my mom has like a university education. We live in Toronto, like the biggest city in Canada. So we're we're definitely like more well off compared to other uh, Vietnamese families. But there's still like other issues, not only like that are economic, but like social as well, where Vietnamese and other Southeast Asian families have a disproportionately higher level of depression and like gambling Mm. addiction due to like intergenerational trauma. And I remember seeing Mm. that uh, that information and it's like it kind of I feel like even though I am more privileged on the economic side, I still feel that that kind of like uh, intergenerational trauma. Because, like, my mom will say to me, like, we sometimes have, like, a difficult relationship. And then she says, like, oh, it comes from, like, her difficult relationship with her father, which I really saw when we went back to Vietnam. Mm-hmm. We visited our, our mm-hmm. grandfather, and, and, like, she didn't talk to him, like, a single time. Or just gave, like, one, those, like, um. typical one-word rep- responses. So I remember seeing mm-hmm. this, and it kind of, like, hits home a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, it's difficult to say about, like, socioeconomic differences. Because, like, even, it's hard to tell, like, what's impacted from our cultural experience of immigrating here as refugees. Cause like also my mom raised me as like a single mother. So that's definitely an impact as well. But mm-hmm. luckily I, I don't feel as much of an impact of like the difference of household income. I feel like I had a, enough chances to be successful yeah, here in Canada, which, uh, which I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Well, your mom slays. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's go. What yeah. a strong woman. <laughs> yeah, she's just too smart with money and like investing and making the most of it. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I like how you brought in like the mental health impacts too, because honestly, like most of the times that's glossed over. It's kind of put under the rug, like and seen as less important than the economic stats or whatever. So yeah, that's really important to touch on too. Mm-hmm. And going back to my mom as well, like it wasn't like instantly either. Like for like the first two years of my life, we lived in like low income apartments in Toronto in like low income areas before moving to like the attic of my aunt and uncle's house, which mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like I'm living like in Harry Potter conditions. It was like by, <laughs> its, by its own means, it's like an actual unit. But then like, you know, it's it was like a long process. I'm grateful for my mom just like being able to handle it by herself mm-hmm. and uh, slowly work for us to, to improve our social situation. Wow. And then they, yeah. And then they use these examples as a way to take away affirmative action yeah (laughs) love that i have one question it's um not related to the topics that we were just talking about but now that you've been i guess back to vietnam and you i guess you could say like you kind of witnessed the country more from like a local or like a family perspective what is your take on like the typical western tourism like you know like how people kind of glorify backpacking through southeast asia Mm, and kind of like they talk about you know their rustic experiences to put it politely um wondering what your take on that is like not for you to speak i guess on behalf of your whole population but maybe from even like a personal experience from what you've witnessed mm-hmm. too from the countries sure so i've talked to like a few people who have done like that backpacking trip but not in like a lot of detail but for me it wasn't like i'm not going there on a tourist perspective obviously but we still did tourist stuff but i'm going there to visit my family the first thing I notice is like my aunt and my baby cousin who lives there, they live in like a one room apartment there, right? And it's not like mm-hmm. one bedroom apartment. It's one room. Like Connie's been to my apartment, but it's like the oh, size okay. of the entire like apartment is just my bedroom. And then they have a closet. Mm-hmm. And then to go to the bathroom they share they share the bathroom of like the hair salon that's below their apartment. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of like the living conditions of people are living there which you don't really see if you're backpacking where mm-hmm. you're actually just probably going to stay in a hotel because it's pretty cheap to stay in hotels mm. i think the other thing that's good for backpackers and also locals is that takeout food is really cheap that's right. like that's oh. like a notable point for everyone like you can eat, you can have meals for like less than five dollars like really filling meals yeah one thing probably tourists don't know about is like 
you can order from like multiple restaurants it's pretty cool like you know like how how a lot of restaurants here they say like you can't have outside food right but let's say like yeah. you're like you go to this restaurant and you're like oh i want this food but like i don't want any, i don't like any of the drink options so you go to like a restaurant down the street and you'll be like oh can i get this and you deliver to this restaurant over here so and they do that, that? Was, yeah that's really cool outside of that there's obviously a lot of like tourist things you can do like sites vietnam's big for its beaches I'll say that, yeah. like, out of every place I've been to, Vietnam is probably, like, the most scenic, where it's just, like, mm-hmm. you get, like, the most beautiful, beautiful sights of, like, nature and, and everything. So probably locals don't go to those places as often, but for tourists, I can see the appeal from that side as well. Yeah, that's one thing I've always wondered, too, because I know, like, a lot of, like, Westerners glorify those Southeast Asian backpacking trips. And it's, like, a good thing for, or technically it's a good thing for the economy there because so much of it does, like, run on tourism. But at the same time, like, it sometimes rubs me off the wrong way when, you know, they're just, like, on their mopeds or whatever they're called. And, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like, today I spent 60 cents on my meal and, like... Um, I killed a chicken with my own hands or something. <laughs> no. And I'm like, okay, you're making these countries sound really barbaric and like you need to chill. Yeah. I realize yeah. I don't know if I answered your question properly. No, no, but, no. But good. going no, on good. the part where it's like, oh, you're making like these countries seem really barbaric. and But like uh, my family lives in Saigon, which is like the southern, the capital of like South Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like any other city, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went to the mall. They have like a huge mall there. It was actually like like a same mall company that you see in Japan. I remember the first restaurant I saw in Vietnam. It was just Popeyes. Like, there's a lot of fast food there. <laughs> it's it's not like it's and not it's like probably a, tastier there than here. To be honest, one thing one thing <laughs> I, I wanted to say too is like every fast food place has fried chicken, no matter what. <gasps> McDonald's has fried chicken. Sounds like my Pizza dream. Pizza Hut has fried chicken, and obviously Popeyes has fried chicken, and they always they always say have no it like. More. I'm on my way. Yeah. I remember I was just like, I want some fried chicken. There's like McDonald's. I have a dollar. I can get a piece of fried chicken right now. It was too good. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because when people here go to Southeast Asia, they all feel the need to suddenly look like Tarzan. And it's just weird. (laughs) Anyway. Agreed, though. That's my hot take of the day. Cool. I think we've seen a really good reflection of... I've actually learned so much I've from Dennis so in much, our conversation. Yeah. This is super because, educational. Yeah. Literally, like, I, my my experience with Vietnam, as you said, growing up was pho and then Forrest Gump in the Vietnam <laughs> War. And then, like, I guess you're gradually making more Vietnamese friends. Yeah. So this was very educational. Thank you for giving me the platform to share as well. And I don't really get to <laughs> talk about this stuff out loud, but it's like, it was a cool experience thinking back and like remembering all these like core memories of mine that that i was able to share with so you're out changing lives dennis (laughs) our vietnamese audience is going to feel so represented now (laughs) i don't know maybe maybe there's some differences this is just mine like i don't want to speak for everyone (laughs) honestly like knowing um my experience with you know like chinese representation even like or chinese canadian representation they're going to probably be more like or a lot of people get offended when you represent it differently (laughs) Well, I think you touched on a lot of like common issues. So yeah, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) it was good. It was good. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any recommendation for us? I was thinking about this a lot. I was going to do an anime, but I realized I think the best recommendation I can make is uh, the movie Minari. So it's a movie Connie and I watched a few days ago. It's about uh, uh, director slash writer Lee Isaac Chung's life as he grew up on a rural farm in Arkansas and how he was raised by an immigrant South Korean uh, father and, and mother in a second-generation uh, family. I thought that the movie mm-hmm. was really good. It showed the kind of experience you have as a kind of like in-betweener, like how I mm-hmm. kind of said, where you're not really like fully South Korean, but you're not also like fully whitewashed, as you may see in like some common like... Uh, Asian American representation media this day. It was yeah. cool to see that kind of in between where the character kind of struggled between his South Korean culture and his uh, desire to be in American culture. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like a neat movie where it doesn't really have like an overarching uh, conflict, but it just mm-hmm. has really a lot of nice shots, a lot of nice scenery shots, and just shows the beauties kind of like of mundane life. So yeah. we would definitely yeah. recommend. I've been like stalking this movie since 
maybe like oh, like half a year oh yeah me too because <laughs> it got like so much hype for being like the a24 like movie too because they do tend to do those you know just life movies yeah mm-hmm. and like i love the the actress who um plays the mom yes she's from age mm, of you she was really good yeah. yeah so i can't wait to watch it yeah too. for sure a24 always makes good movies Mm-hmm. Jenny can attest like after I watch this movie I watch like movies in the basement usually and I walk up and I'm like to Jenny Jenny you have to watch this movie like this very instant because I've never felt I so panicked represented I you would before stuff. no you always spoil I'm sorry it's unintentional but I did not <laughs> I will not spoil anything about this oh but like the type of movie there's like there's not much to spoil right it's just like kind yeah. of like a life experience yeah. so yeah well I think the ending mm, is kind yeah, of like ending. Yeah, Ooh. we should not spoil that. Treading on dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Just the mention of an ending. I'm already <laughs> failing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I back this recommendation even though I haven't watched it yet because I know <laughs> it was just so good. Yeah. I think like one thing worthwhile to bring up though, like we had a really long discussion about this movie after we watched it. And the most notable thing to me is just like how they spoke Konglish in the movie, like a mix of mm-hmm. Korean and English. I don't know. I feel like movies involving Asians usually either like are completely in a foreign language or like like Mulan let's say it was like in a mm-hmm. China setting but completely accented yes in English which is not representative of how we communicate as Asian Americans so I thought it, the language part was like super well done yeah I was going to okay this sounds so stupid on my bucket we're so off tra- like off topic but <laughs> on my bucket list for this year I was gonna start writing a screenplay and it was supposed to be in Changlish and uh my concept has just been taken Minari away stole your idea yeah. go get yeah. your- it was supposed to be like <laughs> go you know copyright a, claim a, like a immigrant university student's life or something and then freaking stolen <laughs> in that vein also noticing that we've gone really off track but like <laughs> uh, if you're into like award season stuff this movie did win best foreign film although i think it's a bit controversial since uh, watching it it feels very it's a very american movie even though a mm-hmm. lot of it is is in korean it really captures kind of like the american dream of coming to america it as does a, for for a better it's life. set on a farm like an american farm yeah. i mean it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's written directed by yeah by an american it takes place in america so that's a bit of controversy but mm-hmm. i won't Yikes. go into too much into it <laughs> well okay perfect thank you so much for coming on we learned so much i was so busy listening to you that i don't think i spoke much because like i was just taking it all in it was super good um and oh, you have God. to come on and like recommend an anime next time because that's on brand <laughs> <Sure>. for you <laughs> yeah. as a can weeb. you just come on for like an anime episode? yeah if there's like a significant animated movie coming out then yeah, I'll do. We can do like an animated movie, because that's something I'm also Ooh. like pretty passionate about. Nice. Thanks for coming, Dennis. Thank you. We Thank you for having me. So long. Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's wrap things up. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion on this week's topic. To hear more, you can subscribe to the Bicultural Identity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. While you're at it, we'd also greatly appreciate any reviews on iTunes or simply sharing our podcast with your family and friends, but of course, no pressure. As well, any opinions and experiences discussed are solely based on our own experiences as second gens. We invite you to engage with us on our Instagram, at the Bicultural Identity, where you can also find the link to our website with our show notes. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. See you then!